podcasting the final audio frontier. These are the legends of Brown Squadron. Our computer is picking up a strange signal. Here, sir, you, you better take a look at it. The ongoing mission to explore the Star Wars universe and other nerd culture topics, to seek new content and new cantinas, bars, and lounges, to boldly annoy Scruffy by making too many bad jokes. Welcome to the Hyperspace Heroes Podcast. Space Heroes. This is Brown Leader signing in. Who else do we have tonight? Brown 4 signing in. All right. And Brown 2 is not going to be with us tonight. Uh, he got called away on another mission, and so he is unfortunately having to uh, skip tonight. But we have a special guest with us tonight. Uh, we have Seppi from Fight in a Box. Welcome, Seppi. Ah, welcome. Uh, your cantina is very nice. Uh, <laughs> I did not find so many, like, large size Twilixes in one place and <laughs> I really is it Twilixes it Twilix yeah Twilix Twilixes do you like is the, the right one or the left one uh, yeah, yeah like seriously do I have to choose I'm right, like right. yeah well no, that's Steffi, I just wanted to introduce you to you know my weird fetish it's you know <laughs> I'm not gonna Twilix. yuck your space yum <laughs> DB. uh that is very clear I'm yeah I'm on board if you like your Twi'leks extra tentacly, then I understand. Mm. The, you, those are count as tentacles, right? Do mm -hmm. we think the, uh, yeah. yeah the, Close enough. Like, as like antenna. And so when I'm saying extra large, I'm not obviously the shape, you know, everybody gets to be the size that they want to be. That's great. I'm talking about the size of their tentacles. <laughs> and, you know, know. At one, once we're off air, I'll, I'll tell you some things about those tentacles all right whoa <laughs> my gosh i feel like i'm getting the education here. oh there goes our pg rating for tonight there again. pg uh, again well uh the reason and uh, of course the reason that we're seeing so many twilights tonight is because we are broadcasting live from the pew pew bar and grill on ryloth uh for tonight's episode um oh, ryloth yeah so we are gonna take a, a little uh diversion from uh strict star wars content tonight and uh, we brought seppi on tonight uh from fight in a box because uh, we we're going to talk tabletop gaming tonight and uh seppi is the uh what would you call yourself president creator in charge what what's kind of your title with fight in a box uh person with the worst life decisions is generally <laughs> what i go with uh, I think I like to, usually I say chief game designer because you get the title that you want to have, uh, not the title I have. I'm probably like, I don't know, whatever, it, like I'm the guy who's in charge by default. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you work the hardest, therefore you get the most work, right? Uh, it's true. This, yeah, this, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us about Fight in a Box. What is uh, Fight in a Box? Besides well, the coolest uh, name ever. Oh, thank you. Um, Fight in a Box is an indie board game publishing and RPG publishing company out of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Um, we had our 10th anniversary this past March, 
Oh. Um, we're coming up on our sixth title um, and our fifth crowdfund, which is uh, Conquest Princess. Very cool. Very cool. And so uh, what are... So independent game maker, you said. Yeah, and yeah, game publisher. Yep. Game publisher, yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are some of the... Uh, you've got Conquest Princess coming out soon. Uh, and yeah. what are some of the other titles that you, you have uh, produ- uh, published? All right. So um, Conquest Princess is our second big box game. Um, and it's going to be a huge box. Uh, don't don't comment on my giant robot, the Conquest <laughs> Princess's box size, DB. I know you were twilexing out just even thinking about how big that robot was. Um, the uh, next big game would also be End of the Line, which was post-apocalyptic family survival. And then we have a smallish box game called Processing, where aliens have conquered the planet and they have enslaved us all. Yeah, you must use the power of terrible democracy to try to survive. And then um, that doesn't our... sound that sounds like reality. It is. <laughs> it is like the Empire has this thing about them. No, no. The monolithic nature of the Empire is very different than the uh, confederated alien overlords or cows. Uh, uh... The cows are a very different group of, uh, of, of folks. So, and then our small box series, uh, which you may have seen various places, are Squirrel or Die, uh, Hedgehog Hop, and Mouse Cheesecake Cucumber. Very cool. Very cool. And I do have a couple of those games, uh, and we have uh, played them here at the house, had a lot of fun with them. Um, so, with game design and game uh, publishing, how, how did you end up in the game publishing business? Well, like your listeners might not know that you and I have a deep, dark, terrible past together. You got to see the beginning of my <laughs> my game design back in, uh, back in the day. Uh, just so you know, I did bring Battle Beasts to a convention. Oh, that's awesome! And it, it is actually it actually still plays really well. Um, and some of the other projects, I got started very early. Like our gaming group uh, back in the day was very encouraging of that kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, our first game was written on an Atari 1400. So that tells you exactly how long I've been running game, writing games. <laughs> charts! Everything was charts! Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's... Um, but it really kicked back for me uh, during .com. Uh, first one, um, not the second after the bubble. Uh, if you could say the word .com in the .com era, they would throw massive amounts of money at you. And if you were every level, any level of competent, uh, they would try to keep you around. So I uh, got my work done pretty quickly. And uh, my boss, I was like, hey, I got this week's work done. He's like, it's noon on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, "Um, do you want to let me go? And he's like, absolutely not. And so he's like, I don't care what it is. I don't care what you do. if your butt is in that seat uh, until Friday, in case there's an emergency comes up, we cannot afford to lose you as a resource. Uh, so we'll just pay you to do whatever you want. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And they're like, yeah. And, I, and so I got paid a premium to uh, write games. Uh, and so I started writing games again uh, in and around that period um, while working for one of the major te- uh, biomed companies here in Minnesota. That's awesome. 
That wow. is, that's, yeah, that's all my poor life decisions uh, reemerged right around that, that, that period of time. So. I call that genius life decisions. What are you talking about? <laughs> it, was, it was a thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a thing. I did not realize um, uh, writing a, uh, uh, I had been a publisher for a gay youth magazine in the Twin Cities and it had a website. And since I was an online editor um, and, a, and a digital photographer, that's how that whole thing started. That's... Yeah, but that's when there were, you know, the Clintons were here and they gave us any amount of opportunity in the form of money dripping from the womb of the internet, which was given birth to by Al Gore. I was in the, <laughs> the operating room when Al Gore gave birth to the internet. You remember that, don't you? Yes. Uh, Brown leader. Yeah, that, <laughs> yes. was, that was definitely a thing. So yeah, that is definitely how this all got started. Yep. Yes, I, I think finally back to those days. So yeah, full disclosure, uh, listeners, uh, Seppi and I were in the same gaming group back in our high school days. We had a lot of fun. Um, we were real into like D&D and Battletech and, and Shadowrun. So and, much Battletech, uh, so much Shadowrun, so I much know. Blood Bowl. Yes. Oh, Blood. I forgot about Blood Bowl. Yes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. My dwarves always sucked. I could never. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So... <laughs> uh, but yeah, he had referenced uh, DB. He had referenced Battle Beasts a, a minute ago. That was a, so one of the things that we that Seppi was really good at too, was we would play all these games with uh, structured rules. So your D and D, your Battletech, your your Shadowrun, your your uh, Battle Bowl, or Blood Bowl, and but Seppi was always the wheels were always turning. You could see that, and he was always tinkering and. Um, would create games out of uh i don't know if you remember back in the day we had there was the little micro battle beasts and oh, yeah. there, there was a whole line of them and uh he developed a wwf style wrestling game using battle beasts <laughs> i and, wasn't alone we had a good group of people and, uh, and, you know i was dice. i was side i was side kicking for this effort but um when everybody else grew up, I still started to stayed in the ring and continued to play. That's mm -hmm. the difference. And, and uh, to be fair, yeah, to be fair to everybody, we had a, <laughs> we had a very creative group that we did to do, to do very creative things. We yeah. we did, and uh, uh, I oh that was I had I had a lot of fun on that game. I will say because I had a tag team that was undefeated, and people were designing <laughs> teams. People were designing tag teams just to take me out and could never take me out. And it was great. It was the, uh, and they were just called the Urs. And uh, <laughs> the Urs. And uh, we, oh yeah. I think it was a, uh, a goat and a bear, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember, yeah. but, um, but yeah. And we had, a, we had other games too. Uh, I found it, I was going through some of my old stuff from back in the day. Uh, in storage back during COVID, and I found a notebook uh, for. Oh. Uh, yeah, I found a notebook for a uh, certain kung fu game that we had. Started yeah, with. no, yeah, I, I, I occasionally, under duress, uh, let people know. Uh, by the way, that uh, kung fu game is the game that got updated during dot com. Okay, well that's. Cool. Oh, and it's fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, and so I've never published it. I don't know if it holds up. Like it's 20 years now. I guess I mm -hmm. could 
look at the games of that genre uh, and see what ended up happening. But there's still things in that that I've never seen anyplace else. Yeah. And I probably would like to uh, revisit oh, it. Oh yeah. Time. Oh yeah. No, without it's, without it was, a doubt. It was, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It was so. Yeah. So Seppi's been do- designing games for a long time, and you know, and now he's actually publishing them and making a living doing it, and. And uh, I would uh, let's not go to like, <laughs> like uh, it's my full time obsession. That is 100 uh, percent case. But I do have uh, two small side hustles to make sure that I can eat. Right. But, yeah. But I've only been doing this 40 plus hours a week for the last 10 years. So. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to uh, creating a, a new game, uh, what are kind of the steps of what's the process what's the you know how do you go from uh initial spark of an idea to actually being able to publish it as you remember a uh, brown leader i am not one to let things go uh it's not really my strength to do that <laughs> so what ends up happening for me is an idea uh gets its hooks into me and i uh i have to keep on working it until something productive happens with it it doesn't always mean to publish it uh but sometimes it does and um but that process can be like squirrel or die took me like three weeks to finish completely uh but conquest princess has taken me seven years wow yeah you know what i think i know yeah you've kind of made random comments online about it from time to time so yeah yeah no it's it's a thing um you can start a number of different ways you can start with a mechanism you can start with a theme you can start with components if people are really interested in getting games out of their head um i do uh board game design tip for the day and then buddies of mine actually have uh a, a podcast called board out of your mind to help people get their game out of their head into to reality um yeah, I've had a few interns. I've helped a lot of people make games. Uh, game making is stranger than other creative endeavors because um, it starts with choices and then those choices uh, change the menu of options. Unlike like food or art uh, or reading, which are pre- pretty narrow, the idea that uh, the environment that you're in changes by your participation in it is uh singular to game design and how important is the game testing phase and how like how many rounds of uh game testing do you find you have to to do um a million and a half and it's never enough um we do lots of types of testing so um generally it starts you make a game and then um do some self-testing um you know, a DB, you're really familiar with self-testing. That's what at least Brown Leader says. Um, <laughs> we don't talk about that here. Yeah, we don't talk about that or Bruno or Twilight. Or Bruno. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, that is. Uh, you know, uh, and then you take it to sort of internal testing, like the people that you normally have test your games. Or in this case, I picked up uh, writing partners for Conquest Princess at the beginning, and I decided that I liked it. And then the Yang brothers helped me with uh, Mouse Cheese Got Cucumber. Um, it is a game designed by Yoon, Yang, and Yang. It has more Ys in the name of the team than anybody else. Um, and then uh, 
I brought them. I had such a good experience. I brought them back for a Conquest Princess, and um, they've been a lot of help. Uh, like, yeah, like I would say the first scenario has X percentage of me, um, maybe the ma a majority. But then when we go to subsequent missions, um, they pick up the ball and run with it. Um, yeah, that's definitely the case. So. Uh, after internal testing, then you have sort of your normal local group and typically in the Twin Cities for a long time, like I would say the first seven years before the pandemic, um, we would bribe people with burritos. Uh, what is the Space Cantina version of burritos? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, One of those hmm. be poor gritos? Poor gritos? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Poor gritos. Poor ah, gritos. The hot sauce fired first. So. Pulled uh, porg burrito. Yeah, Pulled porg. Oh, Pulled porg. porg. Oh, Poor Scruffy porg. would be crying right now. Oh, he'd be crying. Oh, so delicious, those porgs. Um, it says the uh, vegetarian Gaijin come from an entire Gaijin planet. Um... <laughs> So, uh, we're fabulous and we love cloning. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's where the, all those yeah. those people from the, the Bad Batch went. Um, Ooh, there you go. Absolutely. absolutely. So, uh, after that, um, if it is successful, then we will line it up for what we call the con circuit testing. And now con circuit testing usually means that all of our internally like solo testing it works internally it works uh to our trusted play testers it works now we're gonna uh let the fight fans have a go at it and that typically means uh the convention circuit and the convention circuit just ended for me uh at uh gamma but this year in particular it was grueling starting in the third week of january i was at a convention every other week uh until two weeks ago. Oh my! Wow. Okay. <laughs> ah, and I even cut a couple of conventions from my schedule. Like, yeah, that is it is wow. it is very very serious. Uh, but it starts with Protospiel Minnesota, and at Protospiel Minnesota, we generally see if we're gonna get a green light this for the con circuit, um, and that means we're working on the teach, uh, getting people's approval, take stats. There's a lot of play in that. I usually bring a whole team, anywhere from three to five people, to be running and playing games for the Protospiel event. For folks who don't know, a Protospiel is a game convention for people who make games. Oh, very cool. They're usually very cheap and very fun. That's cool. That was me in, in college. <laughs> <laughs> cheap and fun. Mm -hmm. I was going to make a comment about uh, Twi'leks being cheap and fun, but you beat me to it there. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Twi'leks, they are great pilots. Yeah. How do you, as a podcast, feel about space whales and rebels? <laughs> as long as they stay in their own lane, I'm good. Yeah, only like, <laughs> we saw Grogu was eyeballing a oh, uh, that, space whale this season. That was one of my favorite scenes of the whole season. Without oh, is it? Yeah. All right. We're we're looking forward to uh, Ahsoka to see where they go with in live action. But Rebels was good. We uh, we enjoyed Rebels. I uh, liked Rebels more than I thought I would. Most people are like, Seppi, you do not like the the space wizard part of of uh, Star Wars." And I'm like, "Correction, 
I am tired of one specific family of space wizards. Yeah. We can have any. You can be from. You can be from any other space wizard camp. Like, yep. like, give me more Mace Windu. I give. I give me a purple saber. I, I'm on board with that. There you go. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, first season was a little, little rough. You know, they were still trying to make it for kids at that point. But I think. But I'm, not as rough as the first season of Clones. Like, correct. I, I like Clones is, yeah. like. What people don't realize, uh, uh, for I I like Star Wars a lot, but you know back in the day you had to be a certain echelon of Star Wars to call yourself a Star Wars fan. I feel like we're way more evolved now. There's no more gatekeeping about you are fan enough to be fans. So right. I can comfortably say in the new environment that I'm a fan. I've watched almost all of the stuff except for the stuff that my creative director says it is not for you. <laughs> I need like like uh, Star Wars truffle pigs who can say this is for you, Seppi, and not for you. Like that last movie, I did not see. They said that that last movie is not for you. I'm like, I trust you, Star Wars uh, filter people. You tell me what I can and can I watch, <laughs> and uh, I did. But uh, for Star Wars, the biggest payoff in Star Wars that I think is. Uh, a weirdly uh, kept secret is the last four episodes of Clone Wars. I would argue, if you put the time in, the second best piece of Star Wars period after Empire Strikes Back. Like that last four episodes of the Clone Wars, if you put the time in, not, not right. if you don't. Like Empire uh, hits, even if you've watched Star Wars, never seen a piece of Star Wars, you watch Star Wars, you're like, oh my god. Correct. Uh, but those last four episodes of Clone Wars, if you have done, put in the homework, these hit like a ton. Yes. Like, oh my, like this is Star Wars. This is the Star Wars I want. Uh, Dave Fellini in his wolf shirts. You know that Dave Fellini is always wearing wolf shirts. Did you know yep. this yeah. about Dave Fellini? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's great. Um, is he going to come to one of you? Have you seen him in person? I really want to get a picture with Dave Fellini in these wolf shirts. I, I yes. stood about 10 feet from him before anybody knew who he was, including myself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, like, uh, I've gotten to have multiple interactions with Gary Gyax before, you know, oh, his wow. time. Uh, Steve Jackson is formative to people of our generation, uh, Brown Leader. Uh, mm -hmm. But he is the tiniest guy. Like, really? You know, I'm not tall. He comes right. up to my shoulder. Like, Steve is a tiny <laughs> guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like seriously, um, yes. You all he needs to do is put a little cloak up on, and you can see his glowing eyes, and you realize where he fits in the Star Wars universe. Um, That's funny. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely that way. But he's a great guy. Uh, Game Holcon would be one that I would suggest for people who are looking for role playing, whatever. It is a seven thousand person con, but it used to have the rule that if you showed up to the convention as somebody who makes games, then you have to run your games. Oh. So Steve was running GURPS. Steve was running all his stuff. You're like, did you ever want to play a game with a guy who made a bazillion titles? And so, yeah, that, that was that, that was definitely a thing. Um, I think it's grown past that, the ability to do that. But still, they usually have some high-profile people role-playing, running their own games at GameholeCon. It's, it's pretty awesome. That's cool. So uh, as long as we're talking about uh, the cons, what are some of the big cons in terms of the gaming side of things? 
Uh, you know, my recommendation for people who are dipping their toe in um, isn't Gen Con. The, uh, God created Gen Con to test the faithful. Like, <laughs> he really, he really did. Um, uh, you've got to use the force to part the crowds. You've got to use uh, your internal Jedi senses to dodge uh, would-be uh, uh, terrible things. And you'll want to have a lightsaber to cut your way out of it multiple times. So it is, uh, I would not say that. Um, I like uh, PAX Unplugged a lot for first-time goers. If you've never been to a gaming convention, PAX Unplugged, it has all the vendors that you would want. Um, it has events that you could go to. The food is fantastic in Philly. It's not cheap, uh, but it's not as expensive as Gen Con, and it's not so much on rails. Like, Gen Con is an experience where you need to really have a plan. Um, but it's 70,000 people, and it's uh, Indianapolis's largest convention. Wow. It's crazy. Um, it's not as big as, like, a Comic-Con, which uh, clocks in over that. Mm. Uh uh, but it's 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 pretty big. Um, I usually like Origins in Columbus, but this year we're not going because of our crowdfund. Um, uh, I really like Game Hall, super approachable. Um, if you're looking for a party, the biggest party convention currently is Dragon Con in Atlanta. Uh, it's all cosplay and drinking. Wow. Okay. Um, that is Sign a big deal. Yeah, well, uh, Megacon is supposed to be like wall to wall. I haven't gone to that one. That's in Orlando. I really, really like KublaCon if you're out in the Bay. This is another one that we weren't able to do because of the crowdfund. Um, it is a five day con that includes Memorial Day. Um, it has a protospiel in it. Um, uh, the, the people who run it are fantastic. I recommend that convention. Um, Let's see. Con in the North is good up here. It's about 1,700 people. If you're looking for a small con, my favorite small con is Captain Con in Warwick, Rhode Island. Uh, it is a fantastic con. If you do miniatures gaming, uh, Adepticon in Chicago is the world's preeminent uh, miniatures-based ga uh, gaming convention. So those are some of the big ones, I think. Uh, those are the highlights in, a, in my year, I would guess. Um, I go to a number of small ones as well, um, depending on the year. Uh, but yeah, these are the ones that get my attention again and again. I feel so, so sheltered right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to one of these. Um, uh, so something origins. Probably... Origins usually ha happens in, during uh, Columbus Pride, Father's Day, Free RPG Day, and so. I have a 100% sales success rate to the four guys who are perfectly in there for that Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, no, leader. I should no, have that's cut good. you off. No, that's no. fine. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, so one of the things we probably should have started off with uh, at the beginning of the episode was uh, talking about, you know, what is it that's different about your style of games versus, you know, some people might just be normies and used to Monopoly or, or the pop-up bubble in trouble, you know, that kind of thing. And ah. you, you, you know what I mean? And, and some, uh, most people kind of understand what an RPG is, uh, but I know your games are uh, a, like processing is, uh, is 
or no, uh, end of the line is a different style game than Squirrel or Die. Um, you know, you're playing with tiles, and then uh, uh, Mount. Uh, would, I don't know, I'm going to say it wrong. Mouse cheese cucumber is. Uh, There's a cat in there. I knew there is. I know. <laughs> cat, cat mouse cheese. Yeah. Um, so you know what? I I will say though, uh, with all your games, that has been my favorite artwork. Uh, I, oh, I love, that's awesome. I um, love that uh, artwork. At Kaiser do- Kaiser was it Kaiser Pickle? Cucumber. Uh, cucumber. Kaiser cucumber. Duh. Cucumber. Um, yeah. So. Uh, you know what? Is, you know t- you have tile games. You have uh, you know what are the what are try to kind of if you can kind of encapsulate what are these style of games. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, math. I'm Asian, so I am forty uh, percent math, eighty percent fake statistics. So um, <laughs> uh, the this is an actual fact. Gaming doubled in size during the pandemic, and the largest group of people who now identify as gamers in that segmentation are women gamers. Wow. Okay. So when you talk about what is a game and people's evolution as a gamer, the different style of games have uh, different names. Okay. Now it is the uh, gatekeeping is bullshit. No one should do that. Uh, please bleep me out. Uh, nope, but you're yes, fine. Uh, people should not like look down at somebody because for being in a different part of their journey, we're all on a different journey. But when people start with classic board games, classic board games are your Monopoly, your Clue, your Scrabble, those things that have been around since, in the case of Monopoly, some version of since uh, 1890 something. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yes, all through the Cold War era, like those games uh, took off. Now, um, in the era then when we were kids, that new set of gaming starts to show up. Um, And what happens after Uno? Um, Now there's a lot of uh, games that ended up happening um, because of the German uh, board game revolution. And this is where Euro games come from. Now, Germans realized that their grandparents were terrible people. Good on them. (laughs) My grandparents were terrible people. I do not want to make a game that is so competitive and ruthless that um, you excel by uh, destroying another group. Okay. Awkward pause. Yeah. All right. So let us not... (laughs) blow up Alderaan to get ahead, Empire. Let's not do that anymore. Let us instead uh, succeed by doing something better than everybody else who are trying to do the same thing. And so that is in the Euro style of game. Now, the Euro style of games, like the German board game market is huge. Like Germans love David Hasselhoff. And then after David Hasselhoff is board games. Enormous. <laughs> they they freaking love board games. And so... Um, they have been making board games happen since uh, before crowdfunding. And then crowdfunding really started this sort of renaissance of tabletop games. We are in the era of the golden era for long form drama, TV drama, role playing games, and board games. If you did not realize this is what the golden age looks like, this is what the golden age looks like for those three things. Um, back to board games so after your classic games the games that people embrace 
that right after your monopoly or is being the, the next step up that uh teaches you what all these other games along the road will teach you like your journey with the force are called gateway games okay and okay. your gateway games your classic gateway games are now settlers of Catan, uh ticket to ride uh carcassonne okay if you have never played any of these games you should give them a try and these mechanisms in this game and by mechanism i mean uh how it's being played and what like the rules create situations for people who make games that's called a mechanic or a mechanism depending on who you are um and these will teach you the kinds of ways to think and that are fun that will then take you on an entire board game journey Wow. Does that answer the question, Brown Leader? Uh, I, I got, I took a left when you took a right somewhere back there, but yeah, I think so. Um, that is not uncommon for you. <laughs> no, it's not, not in the, at all. And um, I need, I need to make one correction there. You know, you said the Germans love Hasselhoff and then board games. They do. Hey, the Hyperspace Heroes podcast is rapidly approaching board games. We're gonna, we're gonna get up there. We're gonna be yeah. one and a half. See. Yeah. <laughs> We're huge there, in Germany. Come on. There are <laughs> things that Germans like so much that's just part of them, and that's like uh, uh, white asparagus and beer. Uh, <laughs> they couldn't. They couldn't be. They could not be German if they did not like these two things. Uh, strangely obsessed with everything to do with the toilet. Uh, these are all inherently German. <laughs> Yeah, full well, disclosure, so I'm about half German. Yeah, so that makes sense. So... <laughs> yeah, and thus you're a member of Brown Squadron. That mm -hmm. really, that clicks. It Maybe. does. That yep. clicks. Comes full uh, circle. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just, just like a swirly. Uh, so the, uh, when you, as a publisher then, as an independent publisher, how do you, what is it, what are the tools? Because, uh, you know, you see the classic games in all the stores and, and everything. So what is your marketing uh, an initiative? How do you get out there and market your stuff besides the cons? We know there's you, you a lot of crying and begging. There's a lot of please. <laughs> I have been the mendicant of gaming for 10 years. I go like, yes, you will make life better if you like buy a game so I might eat. <laughs> um uh retailers is the answer to your question um i spend time cultivating rela relationships with retailers and distributors um uh acd acd game days is coming up that's a convention at a distributor place so that's sort of a interesting thing that's also madison um a lot of content creation uh that has been a thing that i was very slow to embrace um, and, uh, uh, my best version of me isn't the me in front of the camera. The, my best version of me is the, the one who's running, uh, a, a small but hysterical demo, hopefully knock on wood, uh, for people at conventions. Um, I never really wanted to be the face of our company. Um, we are publishing six games and you cannot find my name on a single one of the boxes. <laughs> Oops. You I... see, you say oops. And I'm like, that was my choice. I always wanted people to be excited about fighting a box. Our logo is crazy. It's great. Our our brand of fun. I always wanted to be uh, not visible, uh, but mm -hmm. uh, that was not the way it is. So the number one way to, 
for us is to uh, create communities in and around our titles. The fight fans are amazing. They're wildly diverse. Um, because uh, our first game was post-apocalyptic family survival, um, the place where doomsday preppers, uh, where the ultra-right and the ultra-left meet in the big circle of everything is uh, the apocalypse. And so uh, we have always had wildly uh, across the spectrum fans. And so that is definitely a thing that has happened. And we have been lucky to have it. Uh, the only rule is everybody needs to respect each other uh, and mm -hmm. be there for the fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned content creation. And I, I, I yeah, I because I've been following you since we kind of reconnected several years ago. And I got to say, like, the amount of content creation you started, I could see that ramp up. And, yeah. Uh, definitely. And uh, for uh, what you did with the amount in the Kickstarter for, uh, I'm going to say it right, Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber. You um, did it! You did it! All I, right. mean, I, I mean, I, I own a copy of the game, but, you know. All right, uh, DB, I'm just going to, all right. Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber is an asymmetric maze builder with hidden roles. Okay, DB? What does the mouse want to do? Get to the cheese. Yes. What does the cat want to do? Get the mouse. What does the cheese want to do? Awkward pause. <laughs> it wants nobody to be gotten, DB. It is oh, neutral. It is okay. Swiss. I'm, I'm looking for and... something for it to pursue, and I'm thinking, it doesn't have legs like SpongeBob or something. No, like no, it doesn't. And therefore, what does the cucumber want to have happen? An attractive young lady. Well, uh, <laughs> I was trying not Again? to go there. <laughs> Kaiser Cucumber is evil. Kaiser Cucumber wants all of them to be trapped together like a scorpion jar and see who comes out. So he's kind of the puppet master? Is that what you're He is. About? It all is right. his maze. Now, uh, uh, Brown Leader was talking about the amount of extra content that ended up uh, being part of the Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber uh, crowdfund. Mm -hmm. Guess how many pages of supplemental solo gaming material happened with mouse cheese cat cucumber db i am so afraid to even try to answer this question just guess just throw it out there it's like your piloting skills barrel roll it always works come on you can do it <laughs> i'll GB. try spinning that's a good trick yeah <laughs> pulling anakin skywalker yes uh 432 pages oh my gosh you know you're not that far off so it is 80 pages of okay uh, I, I i overshot no, no, wait for it. It's okay. 80 pages for the solo campaign rules. It's 150 pages free for the uh, RPG. Uh, so we're already clocking up into uh, three, uh, 2.30. Then there's the art novella, which depending on how you count pages, could be considered to be 70 pages itself. So we are up to 300 pages, depending on how you bought in. And that doesn't actually even include the game itself. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was a behemoth of a rollout. I got to say, it was awesome. It, it wow. was super fun. And that doesn't include uh, The Adventures of Kaiser Cucumber, which mm -hmm. was the prequel comic strip. Yep. Uh, which then eventually had a motion comic voiceover. And that led us, of course, to Conquest Princesses, Princess Zero. Now, 
if you know anything, DB, about giant robots, and you should, they all have a very dark past. <laughs> yeah. They do. Like, from the Gundams to uh, Transor Z, they are all made by super evil people who are obsessed with titty missiles. Like, very, very, <laughs> very evil people. Like, Cleopatra is one of the worst robots in the history of giant robots. Uh, and I needed to write the wrong, which was Cleopatra from Transor Z. Um, and our giant robot is called Conquest Princess. And the Conquest Princess, Princess Zero, we are talking about the prehistory of our giant robot before the stuff in the game happens. You should definitely check it out. You will be blown away by the voiceover, uh, the voiceover full cast comic book uh, that we have prepared. We are in part two, act one. Uh, right oh, now, gosh. this week. Next week will be uh, part three. It's of four. Um, so yeah, you should check it out. It's like three minutes. It'll be the your second best three minutes of your week, DB. <laughs> and that's on according, YouTube, right? Yeah, according to your browser history. Yeah, it'll be yeah. the second best. Uh, second You're not supposed to be looking at my browser history. Let's move on. Again, <laughs> again, incognito mode, DB. I keep on telling you, uh, incognito. Sorry. Incognito, yep. Um, I, I'm so, old and technologically inept, so, you know. Right. I did watch uh, one of those uh, earlier today, and uh, I th something about Conquest uh, Princess... Uh, yeah, a fight with Caterpillar Knight, I think it was. Yes, that's the prologue, yeah. Conquest okay. Princess versus the Caterpillar Knight. Um, yeah, all of this, there's three current eras for the Conquest Princess story. There is the pre-prequel, the prequel, which uh, uh, Princess Zero happens in, and then the time for the game. The, uh, the time after also is we're doing a companion RPG called the Fashion Hunters of the Tiara. And we call it the Tiara DB because it is the Temporal Intergalactic Armed Response Agency. Oh my God. Oh, that's hilarious. It's like a TARDIS. Is that what you're telling me? It is. <laughs> it is. I love yes, that. That's yes. awesome. The Tiara is the name of the ship and the organization. That's um, awesome. Right. That's cool. And so the, yeah, so the Conquest Princess is. The, the last giant robot from one of these eras, and we're talking about the end of that era and Princess Zero. You know, making a connection here, uh, you know, the hyperspace heroes have their own acronym. We're the Brown Squadron because we're full of BS. Oh! <laughs> so, no, just, you're, you're gonna learn I'm the smart ass of the group, so. I'm, I'm going to circle back to make a joke so, for something you said five minutes ago. So That's great. <laughs> I kept on waiting for DB to keep on saying, eat chupa. And I'm like, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's scratch that one off the list. <laughs> so you, you talk about, you, you kind of touched on the, the prologue, the, the story behind the game. What style of it, you know, uh, the last one you said was, you know, a maze builder. So what is the style of this game in terms yeah. of? Yeah. All right. So as we're talking about board game journeys, uh, the mechanisms determine the style of games. Okay. Usually. Okay. And uh, one of the major styles of games that has really come into prominence in the last 13 years is probably co-op games. And now co-op game is uh, all the players against the game. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> have you guys ever played Rebel Assault? Uh, no, but or uh, the old video game, you mean? Uh, or... the board game. No, uh, not the board game. Star Wars has a long now history with uh, board games. Uh, of course, starting with Queen's Gambit. Uh, if you have not played Queen's Gambit, it's fantastic. Uh, it is also super expensive because they're not going to reprint that, that one. It actually takes the amount of time. If you turn on uh, episode one and then uh, start playing Queen's Gambit, all the things in the game happen during the time, just, just how it's paced. It's a fun ha happenstance. It's like turning on uh, Pink Floyd and watching um, Wizard, of Wizard of Oz. Oz. Yeah. Things happen. Um, so... <laughs> Hello, is anybody still out there? No, you're five people. <laughs> Nobody can hear me. Right. Do you hear me at all? Um, so um, different mechanisms to determine different uh, game styles. So Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber was a maze builder. So it's a tile laying game. It uh, maze builder where you're constructing a maze. It is hidden roles, which means there is a part of the game that uh, you do not know all the information about each other. And the last part is asymmetric, which means uh, the way you win and some of the abilities are different depending on uh, uh, how it's being played. So everybody plays the game different, a little bit different. So that's the words uh, about uh, that. Now, everybody, the good news is we have the internet and everybody, there are videos about styles of games. So if people are interested in board games and they heard a lot of crazy words, the internet will teach you about those words. Uh, just don't do it from DB's uh, browser because you will get a whole bunch of other questionable words about <laughs> other kinds of play like yeah. pony play does not is that not bony uh, board game? dog play those are not actually types of board games <laughs> no you, you're putting, play. Yeah, you're putting cat and cucumber in my my history and you're gonna get something totally different oh so, my no. gosh I do. Nah, okay uh, yeah, nah. <laughs> oh boy oh boy all right but so Conquest Princess is a co-op game. Uh, it is a bag builder, okay? And um, those are its two main most approachable qualities. Now, in a game, uh, DB, what's the last game you played that had, was a board game or a tabletop game? Oh my God. You, you honestly want to know my- Yeah, my, I do. That's why I asked, DB. My daughter got a board game of Pac-Man for Christmas a couple years ago, and she was nice. obsessed with that for a while. Very odd to play a board game of Pac-Man. Yeah, paka 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 paka. Absolutely. Okay. Once upon a time, listeners, uh, uh, the graphic of a circle opening and closing was <laughs> high end. Um, okay. So in games, you've rolled dice or played cards to resolve things in games, right, DB? Correct. Okay, in a bag builder, you don't do that. You instead pull from a bag to determine what happens. So in the Bag of Destiny and Conquest Princess, you start with 15 hits, five misses, and four critical fails. And anytime you need to shoot a bad guy, you take one of those tiles out of the bag to determine what happens. Well, if you shoot them successfully, then that uh, hit tile ends up going out on the board which means it's not in the bag the next time you want to shoot someone. So your probability changes. Yeah. And then you have to do other activities to add dice and remove things from the bag, trying to make it more efficient. 
So that is what a bag builder is like. It's filled with surprises that you are counting up against mentally based on the fact that uh, probability is doesn't reset like with a die. Every time you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you re realize a one or a 20 could be looming, mm -hmm. right? But there's four mm -hmm. critical fails in Conquest Princess. If you pull one, that's on you. Now, uh, the good thing about this system is when you fail hard, which I do a lot, uh, it's not so much about your failure as making every other agent look better because you made the bag uh, more prone for them. <laughs> so everybody pulls out of the same bag then yes that's okay. also weird about conquest princess it's a communal bag usually okay. individuals have their own bag but in conquest princess you're pulling from the same bag of destiny the bag of destiny <laughs> so how do you yeah. win how do you win the game um depending on which mission you choose each mission has different objectives okay the first mission is called the captain ashi maroon and in the Captain Ashi Maroon, you must rescue Captain Ashi from the planet and cure them of space madness. Uh, that's the first mission. In the second mission, which is called the standard mission, it's the pet rescue. You must reassemble the giant robot, the Conquest Princess, from its elemental bits, and you must rescue the space pets uh, from stasis because they're trapped in it. Okay? In the third mission, you must uh defeat the blob the space blob and uh get the conquest princess giant robot to the dark portal and in the final mission the boss battle mission uh the third one's called the advanced mission because it's more difficult in the boss battle mission you must defeat the ta the fashion tyrant mugaga <laughs> mugaga now, what was the what was the first mission called captain what uh, the captain ashi marooned <laughs> because my mind went Kobayashi yep. Maru. Oh, isn't that that's my favorite Star Wars thing, the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> oh, don't let Scruffy hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Admiral uh, Kirk always said it was a trap. Yeah, <laughs> Scruffy, Everybody. I could just I could see Scruffy cringing on when he listens to this episode. Yeah, already, yeah. So. No, my so that God. made it all worth it just yes. for that. Oh, if, if we don't yeah. make at least one horrible Star Trek reference, we've we've not done our mission on this show. That's right. It's our so, five-year so, mission. No. Okay, go ahead. No. So since you have missions, are you planning to come out with like expansion sets at some point to introduce new missions to the game? Um, the second story arc called uh, Conquest Princess versus the Necropede is uh outlined um and uh all, all we need to do is have the campaign uh go well and uh that will be included in the game okay uh but we would probably do other missions it's always conquest princess verse the first story arc is called conquest princess versus the fashion tyrant and so that is definitely all right. uh, the game is designed to be modular and uh, more things to be added so we'll yeah so, so do you play on a map? Do you play on a on these missions, or how does that? First, like you a need a risk board. You need a giant table. Like it barely fits on a three by five table. Wow. Okay. It is a big game. It is. It, yeah, you're getting your money's worth with this one for components. Um, uh, it takes place. The Captain Ashi Maroon takes place on the Tiara and the Invasion Battleground. Um, and the mission one pet rescue 
has the red moon, um, which is where the mechapede is trying to nest. You must defeat the, the, the mechapede. Um, the tiara as the central battleground, and then the invasion. Um, so, and then the advanced mission has two completely different battlegrounds plus the tiara, and the final one throws out all the battlegrounds and the tiara itself. And instead, you are uh, piloting as a group the giant robot, the Conquest Princess. Wow, that's a lot. Holy cow! It okay. is. It's like me, Aaron. It's it's a lot. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> All my games are autobiographical, and that's why they include cannibalism. Oh. <laughs> I was, you know, there were times at your parents' house I was wondering. But, yeah, okay. yeah, makes, you didn't have to. That, like, that makes sense now. Yeah, it's a thing. You said yeah. it was an authentic Korean dish, and now I'm it was. It. All right. It was. <laughs> why at a young age we were uh, offering guests copious amounts of liquor yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness my yes, goodness All right. so uh when you, you talked about your components how do you uh do you use the same uh uh oh what am i sources for your components or do you kind of look for new uh you know how do you how do you build your pieces how do you build your your physical game oh see that's really important like from for crowdfunding you are not only making a game so that people could buy it at a target or whatever um if you're really lucky like a wingspan went crazy you're literally making a higher end deluxe version of these games for collectors and super fans i know you have a huge collector segment as part of the show but yep. making collectibles is part of the sort of indie board game and high-end board game experience. So uh, when you design a game, you feel like, what can you do to give somebody who's a fan of either the theme, the game, or you uh, a chance to show their love and support and get something uh, very rare or very luxe? For Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber, we made acrylic versions of our $13.50 game, which made it go from $13.50 to $85. Oh my. Oh wow. The acrylic versions, however, uh, we hand packed and numbered. So there was only 310 of them. So they are truly limited. They, yeah, yeah. We tend to do that a lot at Fight in a Box. Like, um, uh we've never returned to end of the line they like that game sold out and for now like almost we're coming up on uh uh eight years people are like hey when are you gonna print that again and i'm like i never look back darling i always stay in the <laughs> no seriously i love end of the line we will return to it for its anniversary uh with a new edition that plays bad uh better but um yeah, so uh, these collector's items, we made a short run, hand-numbered of our squirreler die that was nuclear green. We did that for the alien invasion for um, for uh, processing. I do not think, Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber did not have uh, a squirreler die associated with it, and Conquest Princess probably will not either. Uh, but it is a thing that we, we generally discuss. You create collectible items. So, um, Things that you can make collectible are like the characters in it. Like you can make acrylic standees 
And the reason that you can do this is you can short run them. So let's say I'm gonna print 2000 games. I do not have to print 2000 sets of the acrylic standees. They're super expensive. I can said make a much smaller number that I can then sell to the fans, okay? So that is how we were able to do a short run of three, only 310 of these Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumbers. So other things that uh, collectors love are a good organization method. That's a big deal. As you are uh, collectors, you understand how to display it and care for it is a major part of the hobby. Oh yeah. Yeah, without a right? doubt. Yep. Yes. And then so extras that you can't get anywhere else for Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber, the most, um, uh, not, uh, the, the for conquest princess the most used component also can get upgraded out of cardboard to special acrylic and that is the bag of destiny so the bag of destiny tokens are uh really nice in the deluxe version they make a nice clacking noise they come with a better bag uh and if you're gonna play the game a lot you're gonna see that this is probably worth it very cool now do you source all that uh in country or do you you know didn't do you use like the same printers every time or do you, you i know? have been um this game probably we hopefully will figure out a way to use panda again panda gm is generally who i use uh okay. unless i'm making things domestically i do use as many domestic people as i can for some of these things especially the high-end things when possible like our first 1200 squirreler dies were uh made in des moines iowa and packed by me personally. So, um, or by my business partner. Right. So we do that. Uh, the mats for um, for Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber came from Chicago, from Gamer Mats. Um, a lot of the prototypes for, for Conquest Princess, they were all made domestically um, between 3D printers, laser cutters, local printers, lo uh, card printers in Madison, all that kind of stuff. And how many uh, how do how many prototypes do you typically go through to kind of get that that finished? How are, okay, so better question: How do you know when you're good? How do you, what 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 clicks for you that you go? Okay, this is the finished product. Mm, now that's a hard <laughs> question. Um, usually, like typically for us, we are really weird in crowdfunding. We have delivered early on. Uh, three of our uh, Kickstarter promises and on time on our fourth one. Our fifth one didn't fund because it was the update to uh, end of the line. And that happened March, 2020. People did not think <laughs> it was funny to uh, like sell a game about the end of the world when they felt like the end of the world was happening. So that was like historically bad Seppi luck showed up at that time, Don't crushing like two years worth of work um oh. from happening um uh but um you so normally uh when you get to this part like we we are with um conquest princess i have what's called a pro production ready prototype in hand for conquest princess i do not have that there the game is so big i need time to figure out the componentry and test it to make it the best game possible and I cannot do, I could not do that uh, with our small indie cash flow, whatever it is. And so we had to crowdfund it a one step earlier than we normally would. Mm. Um, but generally, the manufacturers will send you one or more copies that they get you to okay that you then would green light after the crowdfunding hits. 
And that is certainly what we did with uh, all of the Kickstarters. Um, uh, now we've moved to great game found, just so you're clear, we've moved to game found um, uh, since end of the line at the beginning. And generally we're small. We should be trying to do two games a year to help with cash flow, but I tend, tend to take my time. So we're like, I'm like one every 18 months. And that's because <laughs> we are getting old. Yes. <laughs> I hear you there. Yeah. Um, Oh, very cool. Very cool. DB, did you have any other questions about the Conquest Princess or the... Well, you about? know, to be honest, when I heard Scruffy wasn't coming on tonight, I thought, oh, I'm going to get to talk about Star Trek for an hour. That's not <laughs> Star Trek. I love Star Trek. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I love all sci-fi, but we just... It, it, Scruffy's not such a big fan, so we kind of rub it in. But uh, oh. my, my point was, I could come on here and talk about Star Trek for an hour fine i'm just spewing information but tonight i feel like i've actually learned something i i didn't know what i was getting into tonight and and here we've got a great guest and i'm learning all about uh, a segment of gaming i've never been a part of so well uh let us welcome you on your journey db uh i would love to have you of course come along for the conquest princess journey it's fantastic uh, I would teach you to play that game. If ever you want to play some of our small box games, uh, you can play them on the, uh, the platform Sovereignty, uh, and I'll give you code so that you can share it with your fans to play uh, as well. It's rules and force, so it teaches you how to play. You can play from any device, from your uh, from your cell phone to your tablet to your... Yeah, because yeah. I need one more distraction. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, this is this has been great i i didn't know what i was getting into and this has been enlightening to me so. uh people ask like who uh conquest princess is for and the answer to that question is everyone everywhere all at once uh, <laughs> that'd be a you, great title for a movie if you thought <laughs> you wanted that theme uh to be wrapped up in a board game it is very much like Janeway has gone uh, Sailor Moon. <laughs> okay, that <laughs> is, uh, yeah, okay. That, yeah. Right? Like, just think about Ripley from Aliens. How many costume changes did Ripley go through during that movie? Uh, she took off her Hint, jacket. hint, <laughs> at the end she dons a giant robot. Yeah, true enough. Ah, right? Uh, true enough. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, um, and if real old school science fiction super nerds have been exposed to Barbarella. Um, uh, <laughs> DB, have you watched Barbarella? I, I honestly have never watched Barbarella. You need to do this, uh, not when your kids or anybody else is around, but this will solidify in your mind why the 70s happened and uh why jane fonda was such an idol Mm -hmm. well i I was there in the 70s and yeah that's all i can say right (laughs) you know you know we we have a segment where i actually assign the guys a movie to watch every week so we can do a five minute review and barbarella may have to be a, an upcoming assignment it's fantastic maybe you take it in bites but you maybe maybe not or just you get drunk so uh brown leader name three movies in from the same studio as barbarella oh 
I don't know, because I don't know what studio produced it. Ah, this is what's really important. You don't realize this about uh, our nerd culture. Wow. Uh, no, are yeah. you cheating? Are you no. cheating, Brown Leader? Are you asking the droids for? Yep. No, uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what it, what it uh, is. DB, uh, iconic uh, nerd movie from 70s or 80s. Name one. Iconic nerd movie from the 70s or 80s. Uh, the Terminator. Oh, that's good guess. Okay. So, uh, the person we are we are going to examine for uh, Conquest Princess is Dino De Laurentiis. Dino De Laurentiis started making movies in North Carolina. Okay. Because who doesn't? So, but it was true. <laughs> Other Dino De Laurenti movies you may have enjoyed are Conan the Barbarian oh. and 1984's Dune. Oh, wow. Oh, the guy who, like, go look through your formative nerd years, you are going to realize this awful misogynist Italian was responsible for bringing you your early nerddom. That's hilarious. Like, this is an example. I'm like, you know, wow, yeah, wow. like you like look up Dino De Laurentiis. Uh, yes, Dino De Laurentiis. Absolutely. And we know why uh, this is so important. Uh, have, have you seen a movie called Jodorowsky's Dune? Uh, bits and parts of it. I don't so think I ever it, sat that is also thing. that also guy. Jodorowsky is awful, uh, terrible human, but he made the science fiction Bible uh, for his entire screenplay for his version of Dune, which had um, Dal uh, Salvador Dali playing the emperor, okay. and it had Mick Jagger <laughs> as Fade Ravon. Get out of here. It did, He and he did a 1,700-page scene-by-scene storyboard for this. This ended up, the movie ne never happened despite, and it had, uh, uh, George Orwell as the emperor. Wow. Right? So this may ended up making uh, the rounds, and one of the rounds that uh, this place was a young filmmaker by the name of George Lucas who was going to do his own sci-fi epic. Get out. You can see iconic moments in Star Wars in this book before Star Wars. Wow. Wow. Or you can watch uh, uh, Akira Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, which right. is yeah. what ju just, just Star mm -hmm. Wars. Mm -hmm. Star Wars. Yeah, just Star Wars. The original movie, yeah. If you have not watched that, have you guys had that on your list of things to watch? The Hidden Fortress? I don't know if Scruffy could make it through it. Ah, it's true. <laughs> it's old school. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I generally assign sci-fi movies, I mean, which, you know. It's got samurais no. in it. <laughs> it's got princesses. It's got two little Japanese guys who are like, oh, my God, these are droids. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, for Star Wars nerds, uh, Hidden Fortress, I feel like, is a, is a modern. But Yodorowsky's doing it. Dino De Laurentiis. And uh, he picked up the options to the Dune movie, obviously, after uh, Yodorovsky failed to deliver during the, time, the period of his, his contract. So this is how this is all tied together and how Barbarella is such a key part of this 
this this this mindset. Also, Barbarella is where uh, the '80s band Duran Duran gets their yep. name. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My head just exploded because mm-hmm. you know, I grew up on Duran Duran. So there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, they their name comes from uh, the movie Barbarella. Yep. Yeah, uh, and Barbarella's subtext is called Queen of the Galaxy. Nice. And so, uh, Conquest Princess is obviously an allude, uh, like alludes very much to uh, that formation in my my mindset. Um, uh, she goes through th- thirteen distinct costume changes that that are in plot in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, she does. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. But the yes. first one is the most fantastic. Uh, you're like, oh my god, there was a human Barbie doll at one point in time, and that <laughs> was Jane Fonda. Like, y- she could have been like, she had the proportions of an actual Barbie doll. Like, not the the, the current ones, which are much more realistic. I mean, the ultra fake ones that caused all the eating disorders for so oh, many yeah. years. Yeah, like there's there was like three people on the planet who had that shape, and, and uh, Jane Fonda was one of them. Yeah, the, the problem I have is that I know what Jane Fonda looks like now. Ah, she's great. Like, Jane Fonda's Jane Fonda. Like, uh, we're getting to an age and so far the one up, but go and see Jane Fonda at the height of her sex appeal. It is worth the stop. Mm-hmm. There is no universe where she does not look smoking. You're like, holy crap. She is so uh, iconically beautiful in that movie mm-hmm. that she her beauty holds up no matter what the era. You'd be stunned to see her wearing the same crazy shit even now. <laughs> you know, the longtime listeners of our podcast know that I, I can appreciate the female form. Uh, you know, let's say. <laughs> no matter I, how I, many I, I have a thing for Diane Carroll in, in, in the holiday special, so. Whoa. You know, she the was a beautiful cuts. woman. Come deep on. Deep cuts. Holiday specials. Mm-hmm. I had the same thing for the Wookiees. <laughs> Uh, itchy or scratchy, because that just tells me they need to see a doctor. Oh <laughs> uh, well, this has oh, been. A- Go ahead. No, never. <laughs> just yeah. It, yep, that was Simpsons. Um, so yeah, so this is oh, wow. This has been a. Uh, it, it did not go as far off the rails as I was worried we were going to go. So I, I'm 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 calling that a success. Uh, so. <laughs> well, you didn't tell me I was getting a film historian tonight too. I know. Ah! Right? Oh my god nerd culture is way deeper than we think we've lived through it and yes there are so many things like you know critical role could not have happened without gary gyax and mm-hmm. talking about gary's contribution to all this kinds of stuff but it's important to understand like culturally where all this stuff fits together so we can see also where we want to continue to have it go um and star wars and particularly star trek has been a multicultural beacon of awesome about a future that has moved past problems that we are still suffering from. Yeah. 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 You're right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's uh, uh, I, wow, that's been a heck of a discussion on gaming and uh, <laughs> uh, tying it up with Barbarella and some film history. I don't think we can really top that. Um, no. So, and I don't have a really good segue, so we're just going to yeah. move right into uh, Collection Corner. And uh, uh, Scruffy's not here to do IEC updates. We're heading down to Nashville here in, uh, geez, what, two weeks? Three, two, two and a half weeks? weeks? Yeah. 
So uh, we are heading down to ICCC, which is a collector's convention in Nashville. It's a blast. Uh, we had a great time last year. Uh, we're still waiting to hear if we uh, end up with a time slot uh, to do a, a podcast down there. If not, we'll probably set up in the hotel room and do some recordings uh, definitely at night after the show each night. Uh, we will be doing our live streaming that we did last year. Uh, for uh, So just give us a follow on Twitter or wherever, and you can find us uh, talking about uh, Judas Priest and many other things going on. in the. <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. Uh, do me a favor when you're down at this convention. Yeah. Uh, see if there's any gaming events or gaming spaces sanctioned by the con. Uh, so Mike, the guy that runs it, he just wants to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And they do have a small, last year it was a pretty small group, but they did have a gaming area uh, at the con. And I know he's always looking to, to grow this thing as it is the uh, exhibition floor. Uh, multiplied by a factor of seven between last year and this year, he is renting out actually the state fairgrounds outside Nashville. Ooh. And yeah, they put up a new convention building and he rented the old tiny town that goes along with it. He rented, he's doing helicopter rides. He did confirm that, that was one of the updates. Uh, he's doing a demolition derby. He rented the train museum across the street. Mike is a great guy. He's just, he's one of those bigger than life guys. He is just, uh, as he, he's a self-defined crazy guy that just wants to put on the best event that he can. Uh, he is, it's mostly probably about 90% Star Wars, but he is expanding. Uh, he is, he's got some great uh, Marvel daredevil actors this year. Uh, wow. So he's got Charlie Cox. He's got uh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Um, he's got uh, Jeffrey Cantor, who we had last year, who's, plays the journalist the newspaper guy in the show he uh he just added one uh today that's one of the new updates um and uh who is it it's uh royce johnson who's been in a lot of different things in marvel uh he plays a police officer um one sad news though and i know i sent this to you earlier db uh so uh, don't say it don't say it don't make I it know. real so last year he had three the three big voice actors from clone wars and oh, wow. yeah he had ashley and taylor and he had and um uh his real big headliners last year were yeah, ian mcdermott uh who's he 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 became like bff with ian they have a great relationship Aww. now yeah it's awesome and um uh mr c3po himself uh so you know that was great we got to be in the podcast room when they did his podcast and uh, that was a great, great experience uh, and a heck of a, a panel discussion. Um, just never ask him what it's like to go to the bathroom in that suit. Uh, he is unrelentless and will just scathe the poor person that does that. Uh, <laughs> we felt, what was that guy's name last year, DB? I, I know we felt like, oh, that poor guy got roasted hard. Oh, it, uh, it was embarrassing just yeah. in, the off, in the audience. This year, he has put together all of the voice actors from Rebels, the main wow. cast. Yes, everybody but Chopper, because to get Filoni, that's probably near impossible. But yeah. uh, the he got everybody else, um, and including Steve Blum, uh, which is pretty crazy. So... Uh, I've been thinking about stopping by Brownie One's house to get my Cowboy Bebop DVD set and have them oh, sign nice. that. Uh, 
yeah. And but we got sad news today. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. has had to back out, so we are going to lose Kanan from that. Uh, he's his filming whatever project he's working on right now is running long, and unfortunately, he is uh, having to back out from that. Is but, that Scooby Doo three or what? That could be. <laughs> I'd take uh, it. I'd take middle-aged Scooby-Doo. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I dug those movies. My kids were still at home back when oh. those came out, and I thought those were great. The so you know they you captured like... yeah they captured so much of the feel <laughs> of the original you know, and it was just just fun stuff to watch. The guy who played Shaggy uh, is a huge RPG nerd and has his own RPG company. Really? Cool. The guy, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Acid Burn from uh, Hackers, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So it is. Uh, no, he's psycho. Uh, yeah. From, <laughs> yeah, from uh, Hackers. Uh, obviously from the Scream movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's great. Um, they, uh, I don't know if you saw this, DB, but they've got some swag Michael was showing, uh, which is some. Ooh. I yeah. did see that because Doug Rebo. D- some Doug Rebo stickers, it looks like. Um, if you're not familiar with Doug Rebo, he's Max's evil twin. We got a yes. whole backstory for him. Yeah, we have a whole headcanon piece on on Doug Rebo. Uh, nice. It was it was actually Doug that was in the in uh, Sanctuary in the Book of Boba Fett, not Max. Max really did die, um, oh. but Doug is his evil twin brother that took over for Max just so he could capitalize on his fame. Well, that's right. You need mm-hmm. evil twins doing these kinds of things all the time. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so that's IEEE updates, um, and then uh, DB, have you added anything to your collection? Well, first we better pay homage to Scruffy, and we'll say Scruffy bought comic books, okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what he buys every week, comic. Books. Yes, Scruffy went down the comic book uh, road here uh, several months ago, and he has died. Yeah, the rabbit he... hole got deep. It did. It did, and so the catchphrase now is he can stop anytime he wants, and uh, yeah. that's where he's at tonight. Is he's at the comic book store? He's not. Oh, yeah. yeah. That Maybe whole I got to work thing, cover story. Uh, whatever. <laughs> now, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm still on my my money saving uh, binge right now. I'm not spending money, but I did have a birthday recently, and people showered me with star wars stuff um my my team at work bought me a beautiful millennium falcon uh, wireless charger for my phone oh so and mrs db got me a, a star wars shirt and some other things so i didn't have to spend money this week and, and i i received star wars gifts so uh, i'm i'm grateful and and oh uh, Scruffy, Scruffy made me an official Hyperspace Heroes coffee mug, which yep. was Aww. awesome. It's got our logo on the side. So, um, you know, he, he got me one for free. And listeners, if you'd like to buy one, they're only eighty nine ninety five for you. <laughs> <laughs> plus shipping uh, and handling. Plus shipping, yeah. Plus shipping. So, yeah, no, I'm say- I, I can't wait to get to ICCC in Nashville because... I am going to go on a spending spree, and you're all going to hear about it when we get back, if not while we're there. So what would you get this week, Brown Leader? Uh, So I did get the notice that my press pass has shipped, so waiting for that to arrive from ICCC. Excellent. Uh, Looking forward to that. Gotten in uh, some of our stickers for swag, uh, replacement stickers. Uh, Got our banner. 
so that uh, hopefully we'll hear on a table pretty soon in the podcast room. If not, we'll hang it up in the room. So one of the cool things too about this convention is uh, DB and Scruffy are huge collectors of, of like the classic toys and even modern day stuff. And um, Scruffy's basement, he built a new house and he's got more than can fit in the basement. So he's got bins stacked on bins of stuff. So he's been going through it. He did this last year. I think he took down what six bins uh, of things. And at night after the convention ends each day, uh, at the primary hotel, uh, collectors open up their hotel doors and they're selling their stuff. So they do room sales. Yeah. Uh, until about it's a midnight. makeshift flea market. It's awesome. Yeah. It, it's cool. So you just kind of roam the hallways and look for open doors and see what people have. And, and uh, I've uh, had that experience too, but it was a very different culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so put a warning on this episode no yeah we're gonna put a big warning sticker right yeah Yeah, they do they do take one specific night where they take the hotel lobby and everybody just brings their crap down there and sells it but the other nights they do keep these doors open and what scruffy got a banner for the door yeah he got a dan uh banner for the doors so just look for the logo and you'll know that's our room and uh uh, yeah, swing on by, say hi, that kind of thing. Uh, make some purchases. That sounds super fun. It, yeah, it is. It's well, we met a lot of people that way too. Uh, we met some other pods that were down there doing that when they were Roman looking, you know, at, at things. And uh, so, yeah, it's a real sense of, you know, when you go to the super big cons, you're just there. You're there. You're doing your thing. Uh, maybe you, you know, you say hi to some people. You stand in a lot of lines, that kind of thing. Uh, here. It really, there is a very, uh, really good sense of community. And everybody's just kind of, we're all there just to have fun. And uh, yeah, it, it's a good time. It's a, it's our definitely our favorite con, for sure. Yeah, there's so. people I still keep in contact with online, mm-hmm. you know, just from talking in the rooms and making sales, purchasing. Uh, it's a safe place for nerds and there's no judgment. It's great. Yeah, that's awesome. I have discovered that uh, the convention circuit and these people end up becoming like your family, like uh, yes. except for not like my family, which is dysfunctional as Aaron knows, uh, but an actual <laughs> family. Uh, because oh, people you, know, you like, <laughs> they are. You see them. You know, I go to X number of conventions. Like, how many of your friends you actually spend thirty six hours with, like three times a year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, doing the same thing, and um, your con family is a real thing. It's a, I think it's one of the evolutions of sociologically that uh, has has sprung up in the new millennium. That is actually fantastic. Yeah. Um, conventions continue to grow and change and specialize. People are looking for ways to meet other people in person and celebrate the things that they're doing. Um, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Seppi, have you, uh, do you collect anything? Do you, uh, have you added anything if you do? Uh, debts and regret. And obviously I have a crowdfund <laughs> coming up. That's got a lot of that. I got an yeah. award recently. Does an award count as something? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I was awarded, uh, industry, industry champion, uh, from Chip Theory Games, which is, hey, their, I was their first annual. it's great. Um, awesome. yeah, congratulations. They, yeah, it was great. 
they uh it's an award for people they think makes gaming better uh and they help little indie people get their uh, their games uh make sure that they deliver um it, it i was very touched um yeah so oh that that's is awesome cool. that's very cool very very cool all right so uh let's start to wrap this up and uh the the twi'leks are starting to look at us i think they're getting to ready for last call um <laughs> so <laughs> the uh seppi tell us again uh so you've got a crowdfunding coming up for conquest princess correct yep may 30th the launch of conquest princess fashion is power very cool and how is that uh gonna be on what site or what service for the crowdfunding um it's gonna be on GameFound. you should check it out um if you see this early we have a follower uh thank you uh that you get for backing the campaign if you were part of the pre-launch fund um and then we also have a first day uh another thank you something for for folks so if folks are into crowdfunding and interested in sci-fi themes definitely check that out uh my creative director runs one of the most successful uh indie rpgs for star wars if you are interested in like playthroughs of like hard-boiled stories from the depths of coruscant check out coruscant nights that is absolutely fantastic if you wanted detective fiction uh role played from the depths of uh the what's left of the old republic that's definitely a thing that's cool very very cool all right and where can they find uh fight in the box or fight in a box everywhere you should be able to get uh if you go to your favorite local game store you can obviously find it you can go to fightinbox.com to get stuff uh if you want to find us on socials i uh am fighting a box everywhere i successfully managed to box out some brazilian jiu-jitsu people um which <laughs> no. was a surprise wow <laughs> yeah they're, not, they're still not happy about it i'm old and frail please don't make <laughs> But yeah, you can find me fighting a box. Uh, I do a lot of different content, a lot of different places, uh, depending on what you're into. Um, stuff about the crowdfund, you're going to see a lot of that on TikTok. Our long form RPG stuff ends up on YouTube. Our short form how to make games is also on YouTube. Um, like where I am on any given week on other people's content tends to be on Twitter. Um, what's shiniest and happiest tends to be on Instagram. And uh, things for old people who should move on to other platforms, of course, are on Facebook. <laughs> All right. That's a pretty accurate description. Well, you hit my demo there, so uh, yeah. we're good. <laughs> DB, come follow Find a Box TV on Facebook. Uh, so, uh, so Seppi, it's been an absolute joy to have you on. Uh, it's been great to reconnect with you. And uh, this has been just a blast of an episode, I got to say. Um, as for being a guest on our show, uh, all of our guests become honorary members of Ground Squadron. So you get a flight designation and a call sign. And Whoa. so you are now, uh, let's see, Brown 22. Brown 22. I'm the Brown Double Deuce. I'm the Brown Double Deuce. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Like that is awful for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Uh, your call sign is gonna be your call sign is gonna be Creel, and uh, Creel uh, Creel is a character from Star Wars that uh, 
on his Wikipedia page. If you look him up, he's a human male. Uh, he's got a cybernetic left arm. But what he is is he's a uh, an Imperial Scar Trooper, which was kind of a uh, a group that was a predecessor, and it was an Imperial group of elite stormtroopers, uh, a section of the Five Hundred First. They were kind of the predecessors of Bad Batch. Oh, okay. uh, so some of their so if you look at some of those characters, and he was uh, a leader for one time, but more importantly, he was also uh, he went undercover and. Uh, became the game master uh at gracchus which was the huts arena on narshada so he ran the games he ran the uh games in the uh arena uh on narshada so yeah call sign creel uh welcome to the crew Seth. well if you if it's like cooking when you eat creel you will uh narshada a double deuce. so that's how it all comes out Wow, I couldn't have planned. I couldn't have planned oh, that yeah, better on purpose. <laughs> we will have words later. Probably. So we have words later. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so welcome to the crew, and uh, it's been great to have you on. And uh, yeah, you're welcome back anytime. We'd love to have you again. And uh, yeah. So uh, we with need that, to have you back on. When Scruffy's here, and we'll talk for Trek for 60 solid minutes. Oh, my gosh. I am actually, if someone had to, add, like, like fandoms, yeah. I have spent more time, obviously, growing up on uh, Channel 50, there was constant replay of mm -hmm. uh, Star Trek ruins, uh, uh, Star Trek ruins, uh, Star Trek episodes <laughs> on UHF uh, before yep. cable. We watched shit out of that. Channel 50, WKBD. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was the only non-local channel we got up here in the seventies. Yeah, and, and next time I can talk about how uh, television from Detroit adversely affected Canada. Uh, <laughs> a, a different, a different, uh, terrible, long old guy story. Hey, you know, you you want to have a long conversation. They used to have a Saturday afternoon creature feature where they always showed yeah. Godzilla mm -hmm. movies or the worst old sci-fi. I mean, there is a whole conversation right there. Yeah. So, was, yeah. so DB, you don't know this, but we once so uh, we used to make sh uh, short videos for uh, our final exam in German uh, class, and. We did a cross between Godzilla and Saturday Night Live, and oh my God! Yeah, uh, did you have that like a, tradition a, a... continued in College Brown Leader, where oh, I awesome. ended up being in a Star Trek cable access show. Oh wow! There's got to be oh, video we're... somewhere. There, oh. <laughs> you oh, probably can find it. We'll yeah, find you it. can probably find it. Yeah, I was on Star Trek: The Lost Generation. I'm Google oh, right that's now. Hilarious. <laughs> maybe you can Looking find for it. the double deuce in a Star Trek. You know, I think we do need to plan out a Star Trek episode coming up, so I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Um, next week, next episode, we are doing a joint episode with Rule the Galaxy, which is somebody we, uh, another pod we met down at uh, ICCC last year, and we've remained friends with them. We appeared on their show uh, several months back. Uh, we're going to do a joint episode next week where we track uh, ICCC the whole time, so that's going to be a blast. Um, so make sure you check that out and to follow uh, any of us on our socials, 
anything like that, just listen to the outro uh, and you can find out where to find us. Make sure to leave a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, five stars, three thumbs up, whatever the metrics are, it's all good. And um, yeah, so with that, I think we'll get out of here tonight, guys. Uh, I can see you're just starting to get dark where you're at and uh, we're already pitch black here. So uh, we're going to get going with that. Uh, yeah, everybody have a good night and you have been listening to Hyperspace Heroes. That's no moon. Hyperspace Heroes podcast can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and most other podcast services. If we are not on your service of choice, let us know. To leave your five-star review, just click on the review button on your podcast service of choice and praise us at the maximum character limit available. To contact the show to comment, ask a question, suggest a conversation topic, or just to tell us how handsome we are, you can send us a DM on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You can also email us at brownsquadron at gmail.com. Star Wars, its characters, shows, movies, books, etc. You get it. Our properties of Lucasfilm and Disney. Hyperspace Heroes podcast has no affiliation with Lucasfilm and Disney, although we would very much like to. Hyperspace Heroes podcast comments and opinions are ours alone and the show is for entertainment purposes only. This is so we cannot be held liable when we say something dumb. If you're still listening at this point, we would like to say thank you for joining us on this exposition into a galaxy far, far away, and we appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you'll share the show with other fans and that you'll tune in again for the next episode. Hyperspace Heroes Podcast, The Legend of Brown Squadron. That's no moon! Sorry, he burped.